April 11, 2023, is the Watt Pedro Show. Yes, I have it, and uh, you would like to know the answer to this. Mm. Well, I I don't feel there's an answer to this. I think that uh, it's just, uh, it, it, is, it is either saying that they, the person who doesn't understand, will understand in time, mm-hmm. uh, upon repeated listenings, or it's a thing that he never will understand. Mm. And, uh, if, you know... Uh-huh. That's the way it is. There are many things in life we don't understand. Right. <laughs> and we go on anyway. Jackson Pollock, action painter. Villain de Cooney, I'll see you later. Jasper Jones, Jasper Jones, Jasper Jones. Action painting in the 20th century. 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 Pedro Show. Uh, happy Tuesday. Taco Tuesday here in Pedro. I had some at Tacos Alisco. Start off this, you might be able to tell that I am not man loan mode. He got Brother Matt with me, but I do because of those uh, Skype engineers from Estonia and their way of us making a connect. Pat Irish, welcome aboard. Thank you, Watt. Thank you so much. Great, Absolute. great to be here. Fellow bass brother. And you, you said bass. you were slapping the four strings this morning? I was. I. Uh, it's something I do pretty much every morning when I get up. I have a, a cereal, a cup of coffee, and uh, I'll hit the four strings for probably about 15, 20 minutes a day. That's bitching. Money Mark Nishida told me when he'd get up, he'd jump out. He had a little drum set. <laughs> <laughs> Start jamming on it. Look, I should tell the people we start off the show with. It was John Coltrane getting asked by Konami Kawachi, July 9th, 1966, getting asked about understand and not understanding music, some kinds of music. Just is. And he's got some wisdom to say there. Now, Brother Pat, please bring your mm-hmm. earliest musical recollection. Uh, my earliest musical recollections was uh, I was probably about five years old. I'd been, been 1968, 1969, that time period. I had a little record player. And uh, my grandfather owned a bar, and he had a jukebox. And he they would give me the records, the 45 records that were, uh, that were uh, discarded. And 
I remember singles like uh, Freddie and the Dreamers, uh, the I'm Telling You Now. And uh, I had the I had the Beatles uh, also yesterday. And on the flip side was uh, Act Naturally, which was a Buck Owens song that Ringo sang. D. Boone's pop was way into Buck Owens. When I met yeah, him, was, when I met D. Boone, we were 12 years old. Mm-hmm. It was the summer of 1970. Just moved from Navy Housing here, Pedro, to the, what they call it. Park Western Estates. He lived in the old Park Western. And uh, mm-hmm. the only rock band he had heard of, remember, we're only 12, but he only knew of Creed's Clearwater Revival. Ah. Well, okay. So you had all these records. That's your first memories playing those. But can you remember the first record you bought with your own money? I do, because I, I had asked my mom if, if we could get it. Um, it was, I wanted to get. Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey by Paul McCartney. I really, I, I thought that was a, like a, at the time, like a really trippy type song. And, uh, it's kind of two different to, songs, we went right? To local, oh, sorry. It's kind of like two different songs that I put together. I'm sorry. It, it is. And I, and I didn't know he was even a, a Beatle. And the Beatles had just broken up. I didn't even, I, you know, I, I, when, you know, cause I was what, six, seven years old so i i didn't know the beatles went they had just broken up when i was even aware of what was going on and uh but that record i just thought was really neat and uh and i i remember getting it my mom bought it for me and uh i played i just played it a lot on on the on my Hand, little record player hands across the water i think maybe that's about like helping in the war or something yeah, I uh, think so. That's right. Let me, what we're talking about, thinking back, what about the first gig you saw, please, Brother Pat? Oh, well, I'll tell you the very first gig I ever saw. I went to Ireland in 1976 with my grandparents, and they would have these, like, Sunday night gigs after midnight, because on Sundays, everything was like a blue law. You couldn't do anything. But, like, at midnight, they'd have this in the, the town of Clare Morris, where I was visiting, they had these. They had this this performer named Big Tom, and he's a, you know when I've told people in Ireland about, it, they know who he is. He's like, oh, he's like the Elvis of Ireland. They said back in '76, and uh, and it was wild because the place was packed, and I remember just getting caught up in a sea of people, and they were you know it was just like that was the first like uh, like like big concert I went to. The the first like arena rock concert that I remember going to. I saw Yes in 1978 at, at uh, <laughs> Madison Square Garden. You know what I learned? The bass player the bass player ran that band. Chris Squire was the only guy in that band who stayed the whole time. No, but That's it was correct. his. It was his. He was. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I loved his playing because he usually played with just a pick and with a Rickenbacker. Um, he had a really unique sound. Uh uh, he was, yeah, he was, a, he had a great Okay, sound, really Let, let's get into making music. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about school? Were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? The the one thing I didn't know, because I, I wasn't, you know, I only played the bass. I didn't play any, like, uh, brass or anything. But I did, my senior year, I did play in the jazz rock ensemble at James I. O'Neill High School, which was in Highland Falls, New York. The drummer... Told me to join. I, I swear he 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 uh, he, he didn't he failed clay he failed he didn't graduate and I swear he did it just to stay in the the jazz rock ensemble. But he had me join in with them and and then I played I I played uh, 
I played with the Jazz Rock Ensemble the senior year in high school. Okay, then we're, we're skipping ahead. I want to know the first time oh. you got on fucking bass. Oh, well, I'll tell you the first time I ever played bass. I was 16 years old, and I played at the at a Sweet 16 party at the VFW Hall in uh, in Cold Spring, New York. I was, I was 16, and the guitar player in that band was a kid named... Scott Mulvihill, he went on to be the lead guitar player in uh, Skid Row. He's been there for many, many years. I didn't know he was in the band. He changed his name. He shortened his name. But I, years you, later, you, I found you, out he was, Brother uh, Pat, he was in sorry. Skid Row. I don't mean to interrupt, but you're telling me that the first time you played bass was at a gig? The first time I played bass? Oh, the very first time I played bass. Um, I played bass... I went to, you know what? I went to Manny's in New York City. 48th Street. You know, all that shit's gone now. I know. I know it. Um, I used to, uh, you know, because I lived 50 miles There was a picture of City. Jimmy. There was a and, picture of Jimmy on the, mm-hmm. on the bulkhead. Yeah. D-Boom bought a, a red knob Fender Twin there. Wow. Hey, I, yeah, you guys are up the river at Hudson. Yeah. And, and we, you know, so it's like... Uh, I, I'd go down to places like that when Sam Ash was there too. That was I, I'd also uh, would go. To, you know, I actually uh, bought my first bass. My parents bought me my first bass in 1978 um, at uh, at a music store nearby in Wabashers Falls. And uh, I'm left-handed, so they had what they do is they took the right-handed bass. It was a Guild B301 bass, and they they switched the strings around and the bridge and everything, so I could play it that way. Bet you. Yeah, the nut. Yeah. Yeah, got turned it over. Now, you know, Jimmy could play a backward. He must have got used to it, right? Because he could play either way. Yes. And, and I would, you know, at times I would, you know, you kind of use the tools you have, you know, and sometimes I would take a right-handed bass and, and turn it upside, you know, turn it over the other way. But my dad was left-handed. and He, he insisted that I do things left-handed. Yeah, of course, you know? of course. Yeah. Kay, you know, Black Flag, Dose, she, mm-hmm. she, she's left-handed, but she right. thought the, the strong hand was supposed to be the fretting hand, not the plucking hand. Right, <laughs> she right. She didn't know. <laughs> so, yeah. so, okay, let's yeah. get, once you get this bass, well, you got to tell me what kind. Yeah, the, it was, it was the Guild B301. Okay, okay. Uh, Did and, now and just, I still, mm-hmm. Did you get lessons? No, not for that. Because I took guitar lessons when I was about eight years old. Um, I took them for about a year. Uh, but I didn't like the guitar. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. And I, and, I, and I would try other instruments. And then, you know, one day a childhood friend of mine named Pete Nobley had a bass. And I never knew that there was bass. I, I was about 13. I always thought everything was guitar. And, and I see this bass four strings big hit notes one at a time and i was like i I just was like you could feel it as much as you could hear it and i I fell in love immediately yeah (laughs) i just absolutely i was like you're singing my song brother pat i I thought what that was the magic potion to music and you know i told my mom she kind of laughed at you know when i said i was going to get it and she said all right and this is 1977 and she said we'll get you one uh, for Christmas, but they didn't have enough money. So, and like, I think I still, March of 78, they bought me the guild and 
I, I never stopped. I just never put it down. It was just like the way it feels. It's just, and it's a love affair that just will go for the rest forever, you know? And you're saying you taught yourself. So what'd you do? Like listen to records and try to figure out the songs? Yes. I would, uh, I would try and listen to, you know, uh, the songs. Uh, at first I thought I just, because I you'd hit it one at a time and it, I realized, wow, this is really hard. This is really difficult to do. And then you, you would see, you know, I, the guys who I admired as, as, as bass players uh, at the time, like John Entwistle, Stanley Clark, Ron <laughs> Carter, um, uh, Chris Squire mentioned before, uh, you know, they had their, they all had their own sound and they were just great musicians. And so I would watch them, you know, when I could listen to them. And, uh, but I just kept hitting it and hitting it and practicing. And then eventually I'd learn more. Then I'd learn more from, uh, people I, other, my peers, you were, you know, musicians that I would work with and just kept at it. You know, I'll tell you, Kat, that's good to learn off James Jamerson. Just go to YouTube.com oh, yes. and those uh, Motown thing or, yeah. Dave Alexander on those mm -hmm. yeah, those first two Stooges albums. Oh my mm. god. People ask me how to learn to play bass and just play along with that, man. Let, let Dave yeah. show you. Look, 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 let me ask you this. Sure. Now I'm not talking about after school like graduating, but in the afternoon, like the basement band, the garage band, the bedroom band. Mm -hmm. Did you get into that? Like with some buddies? Yes. Um, and in fact, well, that's pretty much all I did from like the late, like from about, I'd say 1980 to 83. I hooked up with two, two classmates in particular, uh, the drummer Mike Dunlop and guitar player Pat Donnelly. And the three of us would just go into the basement and we jam, jam and jam and jam and didn't really do much vocalizing, but we would improvise. It was just like, you know, we would just uh, experiment and, and do things. Eventually, we would start to develop more songs. Pat and I would sing and, and start. And then individually, we'd start writing songs. But we took our time with it. And, and, uh, and yes, it, it was that's what it was. Uh, as you know, the term scientist, right? It felt like we were just in a lab and just working on it and, and discovering sounds that, and, and developing our own style. You know... You just made me think. I only mentioned John Coltrane at the beginning of the show. After him was you doing Action Payton. Yes. Well, now that, let me ask you. We'll get it. We'll get into that because I still mm -hmm. want to be in the old days. Did you right. do besides uh, jamming with your buddies, which sounds bitching? It was. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it was not as much gigs as much just playing together, right? Right. That's true. That's right. That's like me and D Boone. Yeah. Just, just, the, just getting together every day after school. Right. Fuck. And, and we, we would, you know, maybe occasionally there'd be a keg party or something like that. Or well, you get well, together. Let me and ask you this. I know you recorded this thing yourself. Were you doing yes. your own recording in those days? Uh, I, I, you know, only we, we push play and record with a cassette. You know, I never had like a multi-track till I was much older. You know, um, uh, when I went to college, I'd gone to a, a community college in upstate New York. They had a, a multi-track recorder. And that was the first time where I worked in, in, a, in a studio. And they, I had a, a class where they, uh, like uh, an internship where they let me just 
record songs. And that was the first time I worked on a multi-track. And uh, so before that, it was just you push play and record. Maybe I had a t- reel to reel. Sometimes I could do overdubs with that. Um, uh, but but now I have a little task cam and, and just would just record when I can. Yeah. It, ain't it such a trip how it's different now than like if we were our age then now and mm-hmm. everybody right the crap top here the mac purse comes with garage band and you know you don't even buy it right it's there yeah that's right okay so <laughs> but still i think you got to bring the ideas and creativity that but the, like the other part where you had to have a means it's way more econo nowadays i think i had a cat make a whole album on a iphone without even instruments they used vert virtual barry his name is barry great cat interesting thing i played the whole thing speaking of which i played your old piece when you were working at that hotel oh yes that's right because i had given you uh i i remember you had played the whole thing one time you played the entire uh yeah you, yeah i did one take i think on it and that's right i did one take in in uh on the porch at, at my parents' house, and uh, and I sent you the cassette, and you, you played the whole thing. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, uh, you guys have a name for this band, this trio you had? Yeah, well, a lot of times we would go. We went by the name of Gleeb. It was G L E E B, and uh, and Gleeb by definition is kind of earthy, you know, just a earthy matter. And then we went by that and we, we did a few gigs, you know, um, uh, around the, the Hudson Highlands, uh, mid Hudson, upstate New York area. We would play. Um, do you remember your uh, first we, one? What's that? You remember your first one? I do. I remember we played at a keg party and I was so nervous because it was the first time we were all playing and, you know, and everybody was just, you know, kind of hanging out and, uh, and we jammed and, and and it went over good, you know. We just we really just more improvised more than anything. Uh, uh, but it was it was fun. We we had a good time. We you know, and the three of us just meshed together and played. Yeah. Look, uh, you gave me well, or pointed me to, towards the cellophane stuff. So I want to play some here. Okay. childhood friend la 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 been playing games since the age of ten la 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 a balance beam and a bouncing ball la 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 please read the letters up on the wall Seth Thomas is keeping the beat I cut my hands and I stop my feet a flashing light in a darkened room a TV dinner couldn't come too soon Seth Thomas and the Hush Puppy Shoes La 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 He played the drums while I sing the blues La 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 Do you know where your children are? La 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 Ford Falcon is my parents' car. Bell bottoms and a left-handed glove. Don't tell a soul, but I just fell in love. 
Rolling down on a grassy hill Feeling dizzy from thy childish thrill
for Pedro show that chunk of music it started off with Pat Irish doing Seth Thomas then John DeFreeze with Static this demo he made for the missing man myself Tom Watson Raul Morales to record be on our album then we had a bunch of cellophane first we need you tripping fields after that then let's get it together. Just can't quit. Corner no regret. Can't stand my retainer. Finally shallow. All by cellophane. From their only album. Then finally, Pat Irish with on a death tour. We've all been on those tours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could relate when I was li- li- listening to you. Hearing this. Oh, so how, how did you get in cellophane? I got in cellophane um, because uh, John DeVries, Marco Fultz, and Nick Bizantz, uh needed a bass player. Uh, the bass player they had had left. And so they said, oh, let's ask Pat. And they, they called me, and I said yes. At the time, I was, I was living up in Albany, New York, and uh, I wasn't doing anything and I really wanted to, I'd always wanted to work with them and, and the opportunity came up. And so I said, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll come down and, and, uh, and, and work with you. And, and, you know, I worked with, you know, John and Mark in particular, I worked with them at that, you know, for, for four years, you know, cellophane, we re- recorded the record and, uh, uh, and then, you know, we, we played, we played a few times, played a bunch of places and stuff, but uh, that's how I was doing. They asked me to join them. Can you remember the first prac, the first time you jammed? Did you have to try out? Um, I, I, you know, I, I went to the, uh, I went to the warehouse that they were practicing in and, uh, I had, they'd given me a bunch of demos. So I was pretty well, I felt like I was pretty well prepared and, uh, um, I didn't feel like it was a, 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 pra- a, a, a tryout because I, I think we'd all wanted to work together and it felt that way. We'd always been good friends and, uh, 
And it just seemed like oh, it's, it's time for us now to, to, to be together in a band. Can you remember the first did. song you played with them? Yeah, I think we played We Need You. We were that, and because uh, that was one of those, that was like their opening song. And uh, so I had learned that. I made sure I'd, I'd learned that. And I really had loved that <laughs> Good song move. too. So. Very smart. <laughs> Brother <laughs> <laughs> so I, I worked on that and, uh, and, and, I mean, then we took it from there, you know, and I was learning sure, their material. Sure. Then, and then eventually John, John and Mark. No, were no, the, we'll, we'll go on because we're at the sure, end, sure. We're at the end of the, I'm sorry, but the end of the first hour of the. Oh, go for it. April 11, 2023 edition of the Waffle Pedro Show. Special guest, Pat Irish. Hold tight for hour two. April 11, 2023. It's the second hour of the Waffle Pedro Show. So we can be great
lot for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour. Bunch of Agipop. First saw these cats as a minute, man. Astronauts, cos- cosmonauts. Agipop with a farm without a phone. Problems respond. And then there are really no, not so many problems. Both your problems tunes there. Agipop on the Hudson. Makes good sense. Poe Town's on the Hudson. And finally, Agitpop with loaded with blanks. Maybe not a... I think all these things is the three calm day. I remember John DeFries would always be telling me about this cat named Albert who would right. record he, them. He produced, right. Yeah. He produced, uh, I know it, uh, he got a such a great sound. Right. Yeah. Great sound, man. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, yeah, there was no front, no jive. It was just, yeah, I, I liked him, but I remember him always talking about him and like a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that whole batch is from there. When, when did you meet, first meet? John, did you meet John DeFries before Agit, seeing Agit pop or after? During, actually. Um, I remember uh, I was, uh, I was, I, first time I ever saw John was at a, when he played live. They were playing the Owl Hall in Vassar College. I'd say it was around 1986. I was in another band with, and the band, my bandmate at the time, Glenn Knickerbocker, said, "Hey, they're playing at Vassar. You want to go?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I wanted to." And they played, and it was a great show. You know, the audience was slam dancing. It was like there were a lot of a lot of great energy there, and uh, we had a lot of mutual friends in that Poughkeepsie area. And uh, uh, we eventually met up not long after that, like around eighty six, eighty seven. They were. Uh, I think the second record had just been released, uh, the back of the plane of jars record. And, and they were, uh, and we, we, we became good friends. We just uh, hung out a lot. And, and, uh, you know, John and I, we, you know, it was music. We, we, a lot of different things we, we were into and stuff. So, uh, yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was during the agitpop times that I, that I hung out with them. Yeah. You were a Poughkeepsie guy then or still I Albany? living. Yeah, no, I, at the time I was in Poughkeepsie because I, I was going to school up there. Okay. Um, I, I, I got my, I got my uh, bachelor's in communications at uh, Marist College. So I was finishing up school and uh, I was, but I was also playing too. And that, but those guys were, and they were out all the time. They were touring, they were recording, they were just full on with it. And, and with your band thing, you just kind of stayed in New York or did you do any of the touring thing? Not much because I, I get in a band and and usually it, it they didn't stay together you know it's just uh, guys would be going off to college things like that so you know I just wasn't able to hook up with a group of people where I said all right we'll make a record we're gonna go on tour so it never happened even though I was playing all the time uh, I just never really was able to hook up until I hooked up with the guys when, when they were cellophane where it was like okay. That was a group that we recorded. We, you know, we we would tour and do things like that. Yeah. So, uh, like, Mark's the same, but Rick is gone. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, Mark with the band. You know, we have this core band Saturday night for the memorial, and Mark's going to play the drums. He's, you know, he's really been kind of the leader of everything, kind of getting us together to do it. Rick is around. Um, 
you know, hopefully, you know, I hope he's there on Saturday. I know he requested a couple of songs and uh, he's been more, more reserved these days. But he's, he's a great guy. I, I love Rick. He's a great guy. Did either Mark or Rick didn't uh, one of them cats live in Seattle for a while? Well, Mark is in Seattle. Okay. Yes, he okay. lives there now. Okay, um, that's what I think. And he's, and he's flying to uh, the gig in Kingston, and we're getting the guy I've seen him in 25 years. We've been doing the Zoom thing together and stuff, but we haven't played music, you know, as a, you know, and a scene of like together in, in quarter of a century now. But we're going to do it uh, this weekend and really look forward to it. Well, you should tell people the name of the fucking uh, pad. Yes, we're going to play at the Old Dutch Church in Kingston, New York, and it's uh, it's in uh, 272 uh, Wall Street in Kingston, uh, and they have had guests there. Day, I know Mark the Rev played there like a, like four Bro- months Brother ago. Brother Pat, so. Brother Pat, you got to tell the date. The date is April fifteenth, okay. Saturday, April fifteenth, and it's uh, just a few days away from our recording here. Yeah, right. What do you mean record? Yeah. Oh, you mean doing the show or are you doing the show? Yes. I thought you doing. and Mark were going to record. No, not not yet, not yet. We, we've been uh, we've just let's been, uh, let's play some more yeah. agit pop. Okay, this is after Albert. This is the twin tone. Yes.
drop and roll. Stop, drop and roll. Stop, drop and roll.
Chunky music start off more agitpop, all agitpop, but this is from after the three com stuff when they're with the twin tone getting up to go down. Started it off, agitpop, kick back the hands, and then it won't be long now. Agitpop, stop, drop, and roll. Agitpop, forget me not. And then some live stuff. This is in 1988, them doing a cream song, Badge. 
I think it was on Goodbye Cream. And then this live thing from 2007. I guess they did a reunion gig and they're kind of playing acoustic. This is called Top of the Stairs, 2007. Right. Yeah, I didn't know about that, but that's beautiful. That might have been when they. That might have been when they went to Switzerland. They, they, uh, uh, they uh, uh, a friend of theirs uh, named uh, Arthur Clay, I think, uh, had invited them out, and they they had played out. And they did like uh, some shows out there. And, uh, and then they recorded it. So if I'm not mistaken, that might be where that's from. But there was no Agitpop since, what, 1990 or 89? Or? They got back together after Cellophane broke up in 1996. They reformed and, re- and recorded a, a, an album's worth of music. And uh, I've heard a few of the tracks. They're really great. One song wow. called Dead Inside uh, that's... Uh, that's on you. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, uh, they made a video of and a great. And we're going to play it that night also. Um, John's daughter Emily's going to sing that song, and uh, uh, it's uh, yeah, great. You know, they they were great. I loved the chemistry with that band. That's I had no great. idea. I had no idea. And and here's something I did find, and I'm going to play right now, brother Pat. Mm-hmm. I guess Vic Chesney had come to town in March. And John recorded with him a couple, three songs. I want to play those now. Okay, great. Not a leg break You laugh out loud And lonesome In your cabin cruiser On the cross county track Your brain feels like a fiddle 
And the grassroots effort to incorporate Elects a smiling player Well, I'm sorry for my lack of communication. But as I'm staring out this fifth floor window, it seems like the least amount of communication, the better. a bloody effigy on my wall And the complimentary carnation is falling apart And I ain't got time for the nicety Gesture. As you wave your hand. 
Watt from Pedro Show. A chunk of music's all Vic Chestnut, and it's all got John DeFreeze and Mark, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, first it was Giant Sands. Remember how, how Gelb had a band called Giant Sands. <laughs> and then Newtown. And finally, See You Around. And, and you got something to add. You got to meet Vic Chester. He came and saw a cellophane show. Because this is around the time of cellophane, people. Like, what would you say, mid-90s? Yeah, 96. He did. He came. And, and as it turned out, it was our it was our last show. We were actually, we were, we were that was our the last gig we played together. He came to that show. He was there that night. And I met him there. And uh, it was really intense. He was... You know, it was it was he was a sweet guy. You know, it was great to meet Vic, and uh, and he was with you know Mark and and John, and uh, he was there, and that was that was quite a night. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. Uh, and where was that, Pat? That was at the Rhinecliff Hotel. That had a lot of concerts up there. They it was like just a you know just a dive bar, but it had this long room and. Uh, uh, and then we'd pack them in with like a lot of barred college students and people from the, from that area. And, and they just come in and yeah, we played that night. Yeah. He, we were there. We used to play there like every other month that, at that venue. Did John go to bar? I, I remember playing with those guys. Maybe, maybe it was a gig. That yeah, well, I, they, well, they were hooked up with that, you know, they were always hooked up with that like Bard College, Vassar College type crowd, and it, there was a and the, especially in those days, like in the early to mid eighties, and uh, and and you know because you you would play that circuit, you know, it'd have you know so many great bands just come in and and uh, and play, and they networked really well um, with uh, with all those, you know, because I think I think from what I heard, I think Minutemen played, and maybe would actually pop there. Um, at Bard, yeah, or, yeah. Or, Deep Boone gave a little. He used a blackboard to give a little talk on what was going down in Central America. And, like I seen him on a on a Super Eight, right? There's no sound, but you can. Well, I've I've heard audio though too, and he's like explaining, like before we went on or in between songs. It was great. He's beautiful. Yeah, Deep Boone knew how to work the room. Look, we're Yo, at the end yeah. of the second hour. April 11th, 2023, Edition Wap Pedro Show special guest, Pat Irish. Hold tight for hour three. April 11th, 2023, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
for Pedro's show. Start off the third hour with Cellophane doing a Minutemen song, More Joy. This was for that Our Band Could Be Your Life compilation Mike Hogan put out many moons ago. Then, uh, well, myself with Frank Black and Jay Maskus doing a song that Johnny Freeze wrote for me called The Big Bang Theory. Great tune. And just, yeah, Brother Pat, I was asking you about Postcard. I thought it was a senior moment, but no, thank you for validating that. No, because that was that. the band that was, uh, they, they, they had that band right after Agitpop, and that was, right. the lineup on that was, uh, Nick Bizanz was on guitar, and uh, Mark Hawksley was on bass, and they uh, they demoed Big Bang Theory. I know John had written that, and it told me he'd written that for you. You know, he wanted you to have that, and uh, and that's and that's how I learned it. I learned it from the postcard demo, so I, I got that bass part from there. Yeah, because my mine's a little different. I used to, I, I even changed some of the words. Well, I put myself in the song. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's funny because that was great because, uh, and, and that night when Nick's, when Nick Bazant sings it, he said, that night he's going to say John DeVries, you know, you, you go call out for John <laughs> that hard. night. And I think originally, if I'm not mistaken, I think John said something like Mr. Beatle. I think that's what he, something like that. But it, it was funny. You know, I was, uh, but I always heard, you know, in fact, because we didn't have a copy and we wanted to do Big Bang Theory, we listened to your version. You know, we, we that's what we, uh, you know, I, I was listening to your bass parts to, to get the chords and stuff to, for, for the show that we're going to be doing uh, Saturday night. You know? Yeah. Now, uh, some trippy stuff I didn't really know, but I was searching around something called Grand Mall. John DeFreeze helped out with this this tune, a whole lot of nothing. And then this, I remember him mentioning this cat to me, Grasshopper. Yes, and, yes. And the that, Golden Crickets. Gra- <clears throat> and it was called Nickel in a Lemon. But I remember him talking about, and I actually once played with Mercury Rev, but I think it was an early version when they had the weird dude who just jumped around. Oh, yeah, probably David Baker. I think it was David Baker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because when I heard, people told me, I didn't even know it was them. and It didn't sound <laughs> like the band I played with. It was a Buffalo gig, I remember. Oh, yeah, that's where they were from. That's okay. right. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, finally, probably the first, uh, first but last <laughs> thing you told me, John DeFries recorded with you a demo for a tune called Sledge. Sludge. Sludge, that's right. He, he after he did... Um, he did the song Static, which he said I wanted. I, he wanted to give to you. Yeah. Uh, he laid down the, these this just guitar track. I, when I listened back to it, uh, you know, the other day, there were no vocals. I thought maybe there were, but he had just put the guitar track down. I think he was he was going to put the vocals down later. We were going. We that's something we were going to do. So I never I never did get the the lyrics down. But he he put. I, I think he did a couple of takes. I know he he just he had this guitar part that he wanted to get down so we recorded it that's right now, now did you guys have plan just to record that one song i i, I think he wanted to work rework i think he wanted to develop the lyrics more he tended a lot of times to do the the music first he liked the you know he, he would write lyrics but uh i always felt he always won't when he'd bring a song in uh he always liked to, to focus on the music and then he'd bring the he, he'd go with the lyrics later and that was kind of the approach he was doing with i think sludge we, you know he was still developing whereas uh static I, that was much more that was i think was was already pretty well, much what about a in the bigger picture was he going to make a collection of songs were you guys going to record an album we well we we wanted to and i know he you know he had uh, 
a few months before he died, you know, he had texted me and had wanted to get together. He wanted to, you know, he says, oh, I want you to play bass. I, I, I want to record. He was trying to get together with others and try and set something up. And uh, and if not, maybe at the very least, we could have like just made demos with with my with my task cam. Um, but I know he wanted to. He was he was trying to he was trying to hook up. Uh, with others to, to get some kind of deal and, and to keep going. But he. Well, you he know, was he still... was writing me emails about uh, doing gigs acoustic. Mm-hmm. And, right, because he was playing solo a lot. You know, it was like, uh, you know, he had the la- one of the last gigs he did, I didn't, I, you know, uh, maybe about a year ago, he, he played a gig up in Portland, Maine. I remember seeing that he, he got a gig up there um, and was playing. That might have been the last gig he, one of the last gigs. You know gigs what? Because did. I was torn, I was helping Mike Baghetta with MSSV. And I think mm-hmm. I, I heard about that. He might have played the same pad I did, even. Yeah, the tiki was it the tiki. Yeah, something, something like, like that. It used to be maybe a tannin salon thing that got repurposed. Right, or right, right. And and the guy I knew that uh, when I because I saw a picture posted with John and I think that might have been the the oh, the club owner. He lo- you know he's a big fan of John's and stuff. So okay, uh, okay. So uh, he was doing that, but he also had ideas about making a rock band again. Yeah, I mean, we would always talk about getting together. You know, he definitely would, and I know he, you know. We had the last gig we ever did together back in 2019. He, uh, you know, I did the rock. I, I did the rock op, my rock opera, the front desk. You know, I had Nick Bizantz on on guitar and uh, Mike Warsaw, uh, drummer. Uh, it, and John opened up. John played solo. He just, you know, he just uh, he played solo. And at the end of it, the last song we did was on the last song I ever played with John, uh, Nick, and. Uh, Mike and I, we played, uh, we played on the Hudson and he sang it and it was the last thing we ever did. Um, and, uh, I remember playing the, I had the Wapplower that night and we were, <laughs> we were, we were having at it. Okay. It was, it was, it, Here's, you know. this is also funny because the cellophane CD people, now you couldn't do this on vinyl, but the mm-hmm. cellophane CD people had a hidden track and we're going to play it now. And it's a doozy, so <laughs> relax, kick back, and trip on this.
Watch for Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Fuck, I threw the paper away too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, just one tune in that chunk of music, people. <laughs> Extra Sorry. Special Birds, it's called. That's cellophane. The one yeah. and only album they made. And uh, how long did it take to make that record? You know, I think, like, you know, we were, I remember we recorded, I think, the winter of 92 yeah. into 93. So it, it was about, I think the recording, the actual recording of it was probably about three, uh, two or three months. No more than that. But I think we, I think we got everything done in about two or three months. It was a lot of, it was the most uh, pre-planned it was like making a Hollywood movie. I mean, John and, and Mark in particular, they really had every measure, every note accountable for that. Um, it was a lot of work. I had a lot of guests. Uh, speaking of movies, like, speaking of movies, mm-hmm. Andy Warhol made some movies. Yes. <laughs> and you, yes. you're telling me off air there, John, John DeFries was a fan. He loved Andy. Yeah, he loved Andy. In fact, um, a good friend of ours uh, for many years was a guy named Billy Name, who was part of that That's right. Warhol factory. factory. Fact- yeah, he lived up in Poughkeepsie, and uh, he was a really good friend. And, you know what? Uh, a cat, a cat that John told me about too was Sterling from the Velvet Underground. Yes, he was. He was living up around there and was doing some work. Uh, in that, in like, uh, Poughkeepsie Woodstock area. That's right. Yeah. He was like, and, a, and if, I think he was before that tugboat cat in fucking Houston or something. Yeah. I, I, you're right. And then, and then right around that time, too, the Velvet Underground got back together again. That's for, right. For That's one last right. time. A little, little bit. And, uh, so, so, because we were saying, you know, this, that last tune, like, when is it going to kick in? And, like, wa- watching an Andy <laughs> Warhol movie. And uh, so, John, he might have appreciated that comment. Yes. Yeah, I'm think, I agree. I've been thinking a lot about him lately. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know about stuff like Graham Mall and uh, Grasshopper. I remember him mentioning this guy named Grasshopper. Yeah. It, he's Him and John Donahue are really the main people for the group Mercury Rev, and they've uh, – Okay. And they're still together, and uh, yeah, and uh, Grandma was a group that John worked with. Uh, I remember the gentleman's name is Bill Witt, and he was in a band before called St. Johnny. They were all kind of hooked up in that 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 uh, similar circle. That's a trip. Well, he's got the music here, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially the uh, agitpop, and, and it's trippy how he evolved into cellophane, because you can tell him and Mark played together, man, and then you were right there for them. Brother Pat, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm very fortunate to have been able to to work with them. That that they were, you know, that the time came where it was like, let's get together, and we made that record, and we, you know, we played played a bunch of shows, and we were always, no matter what, we were always great friends with one another, and and, and you know, for every you know, people, there are people from all over the world coming to this event for John. There's been no wake, there's been no funeral yet. This is the first time any anything we're having together, and there's a lot of love, and a lot of people are getting together, and and it, it's it's shows him you know all of us you be everybody how, how how important he was if you knew him yeah you loved him yeah you really did yeah thank you for that brother pat truly yeah. thank you sure for the lot yeah big love to you brother john defreeze great cat i remember yeah. the first thing i can go back in my memory is that smile mm. 
Beautiful. Beautiful smile and, and, and someone who, you know, he was so engaging. He talked to you and, and uh Well we got yeah, we keep on keeping on. People elaborate April eleventh, twenty twenty three edition Wap for Pedro show. Keep your powder dry.